like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather. I'm laughing because Richard Cohen called me stupid. Um, <laughs> no, I said I'm being stupid, and he said, uh-huh, is actually what just happened. So Richard is here, and also Carol Garbodon murray is here. I almost said Murphy. I'm sorry, Carol. <laughs> all the time. Um, so we're going to talk. Um, Carol, I think before we get into the specific topic of this episode, um, the reason we're here is because you have a book coming out that Richard and I are super excited about. Um, so will you talk about that a little bit? And then we'll, then we'll jump into the quote and the conversation for the podcast. Sure. Um, I have a book coming out called Illuminating Care. It's with Exchange Press. It's all about care, the pedagogy and practice of care. And it's been a journey writing it. It's been in process for a really long time. So it feels exciting and very timely that it's coming out now during COVID because we're all thinking about care and seeing care in new ways. And Exchange really pushed me on it. I love to sort of I, I love the philosophy. I love the care ethics and feminist ethics and educational philosophy. So I can go on and on about this <laughs> stuff that seems kind of ethereal. And Exchange really pushed me with this book. They said, you really need to make it practical. Uh -huh. We want to know what it looks like when you're diapering children. What is the pedagogy of care? What is the practice of care during mealtimes? Can you please find a way to distill that philosophy and make it real for people. So it was a huge journey for me having them like understand what I was doing <laughs> and wanting to support me, but also pushing me along mm -hmm. in a very, very um, supportive way. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I've learned so much writing this book. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, well, I am too, as I said, <laughs> and, and listeners will have heard you on the show before. So, um, we sort of had some, have had a couple of these conversations already. Um, but I, I just think it's such a timely idea. Um, but also I think it's an idea that's been floating around there that maybe people haven't been brave enough to say, 
or comfortable enough to say. And I think you're going to liberate a lot of people <laughs> who have kind of been uncomfortable with this dichotomy that we're going to talk about. Um, so, before, so the quote, um, what? before we go into the quote, oh, okay. as someone who's, who, who was liberated by Carol's book, I wanted to just take a moment to, to speak to that for a second, if that's okay. And even if yeah. it's not okay, I'm yeah. going to speak to it anyway. As my mother used to say, do what you want, you will anyway. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's a lifestyle choice. Um, so Carol, I'm so thrilled to uh, know you and to have read, Heather and I got a sneak peek at, at your book. And um, it really, liberating is such a good word, uh, Heather. Um, I've been in the field for over 36 years. And so before, even before I arrived in it, you know, we people have argued about, um, you know, you hear people talk about early childhood education and how that's more important than care and caregivers are less valuable and worthy and essential than educators. And um, that's been dogging me my, my whole career yeah. because I put my heart into my work uh, and into my career, but I've never really been able to find the words to explain it until Carol's book came into my life. Um, we, we think of care as being a subset of early childhood education, but when Carol said, no, 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 early childhood education is a subset of care, it, that's the umbrella that wraps around everything else. I went, oh, yes, that's what I've been trying to say for 30 some odd years. And I get to let go of that um, horrible patriarchal idea that logic and thinking are more important in this world than feeling. Mm. My own personal experience and all the research tells us that in the first five years of life, everything that Carol speaks about is our most important gift. And I'm so thrilled to finally have that in writing. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you, Carol. Thank you. That uh, my heart is bursting hearing you say that because not very many have looked, people have looked at the book yet. And also, that is such a common, you know, I did start teaching workshops on this topic as I was writing it. And what you're saying is so common. It's what everyone says. And it's what I feel too. It's like, it's this thing that we've been trying to say, we just haven't been able to quite land on it. And I mean, I think for me taking this journey with care, it taught me how to say what I wanted to say, <laughs> really, and 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 um, you know to say that that uh, it's invisible. It's, that, that's the thing about care. It is this invisible. It's like so many things in early childhood. Uh, you know, the process. It's about the process. We don't see a big product. It's ephemeral, it disappears, you know, it's like when you play with blocks, you have to clean them up and put them away and, and no one, no one sees how much you learned when you were playing with blocks. Um, and when we care for children, um, it's, it's, it's invisible, it's, it's ephemeral, it's this, the stuff that happens between people in relationships that we don't, we can't always pin down. You know, and we, it's like, it's like being home with the kids all day and, you know, your partner comes home at the end of the day and said, what'd you do all day? And you're kind of, oh, what I do all day? You know, I don't have anything to show for it, but we've been eating and cooking and yeah. sleeping and playing and taking walks and holding hands. We've been doing all these things that's building the child, that's building the child's brain, his body, heart, mind. Um, and the other thing is what you said about the, about the patriarchal 
you know, society we live in, we, we haven't been allowed to talk about care. We, the, the educational systems we operate in are so hierarchical. Mm -hmm. um, they place well, the pieces that, that we assess uh, uh, the professionals in our field around state by state vastly tip towards, you know, cognition and, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and, and devalue um, what children, how they're thriving through care, which is mm -hmm. way more important than colors, letters, numbers, and shapes will ever be. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so that invisible that invisible aspect is something I, I talk a lot about and examine a lot. And, and, and what you said is what so many people have said when I started talking about this, like, wow, I've been trying to say that. I know what you're saying. It feels so good to hear someone say this. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. All right, we don't even need a quote. <laughs> the quote is good. No, I mean, okay, so, but here, and, but a lot, the quote just ties into what you're already saying and then we can expand, but I've got to keep it up for the franchise. <laughs> so the, the quote is, care unites the head, hand, and heart of the teacher. Caring asks us to be intelligent, thinking, respectful, state-of-the-art teachers. Um, which for me really just sort of brought together, I think, the the elements that divide around this idea that that you're either a teacher or you're just childcare, um, or you're just caring, or you're just a babysitter or whatever, um, because even even within our own field, with people who do the same kinds of work that that we're doing, um, we still feel this need to set up that hierarchy and to maintain it and to be sort of gatekeepers of the real profession, mm -hmm. um, and so we set up you know, all these barriers. And I, you know, lately, and, and I know that, um, I think I've talked with both of you about this, um, during the sort of COVID uh, celebration of teachers, and then the, um, uh, when we were getting ready to send people back to school in the fall, there was all kinds of, you know, I'm a teacher, not a babysitter kind of stuff going on on social media. And, um, and so I, I've done a lot of commenting and talking about how that shows sort of a, a misunderstanding about what our work really should be. Yes. Um, and I love this idea of being state-of-the-art teachers when we, when we acknowledge and embrace the caring side of it. Yes. And I think when we, when we can name care as a pedagogy, you know, and include those those uh, moments, those, those all the time, and we spend so much time caring right? I mean, whether it's helping a child wash his hands or get his lunchbox out, put on his coat, put her rest mat out, helping her regulate and fall asleep, holding her hand. And we, it's such, I wonder what the percentage is really of, yeah. of caring. We do so much of it. And then it's so odd how we have to contrive these activities to show that we're teachers yeah. when we have, you know, we have play and we have care. We really have everything we need <laughs> right in front of us. Well, and even the, the job titles that we give ourselves and then the qualifications that are hooked to those job titles. So you can be a lead teacher or an assistant teacher or an aide. And um, if you're the lead, you have to have the, um, you know, the degree or whatever. And if you're the aide, you do all the grunt work and the mm -hmm. trash jobs of the classroom. And, yeah. um, and, and what I've seen a lot is that that 
aid who's seen as being less qualified uh, and we still don't have the sound effect for air quotes that I keep promising for the podcast um, uh, is is doing so much of that caring than than I think or so much of those routines and that sort of uh-huh. you know just get through the diaper changes and set the table and get it ready for lunch which is so backwards to me <laughs> right that's a really good point it, you know it, it makes us un, uh, deeply undervalue all of that mm-hmm. it you know you 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 slough off the grunt work onto your aid you know the stuff that the the menial labor and it makes mm-hmm. care it casts care as menial when it should be in the center of the spotlight yeah yeah. yeah. You know, we were talking, the three of us, before um, the nerd started recording, um, <laughs> about how the three of us uh, teach community college or have taught community college. So as you all were speaking a moment ago, I was thinking about my students. And, you know, so many of them sign up for the program because they remember an early elementary teacher and they think, I want to go do that. Mm-hmm. I want to be like that first grade teacher that I loved so much. And um, they come to learn that, or at least with me anyway, they come to learn that early childhood care and education is uniquely different. Uh, and that profession, one of the things I really appreciate about this quote is it doesn't even talk about children. Mm-hmm. It's specifically about the experience of the adult uh, as uh, being a professional. Um, and it's a uniquely different kind of professional um, when you frame it the way Carol has, then, then people tend to misperceive. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Like um, one of the things that I think was so, the reason Head Start was so successful, I was thinking about that when Heather yes. was talking was they really embraced this idea of mealtime, right? And, and, and uh, nutrition and, sort of wellness, child wellness. And, and I think, I don't know, I'm not so involved in Head Start anymore, but it just seems like from what I've heard and what I've seen, there even in, like you said, in our profession, there's been this split where Head Start will hire like a master teacher to come in and do circle time. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have like the other people who are working at lower wages to do the meals. And I, I yeah, that, that split is, is um, very concerning. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that the child doesn't know if they're in childcare or school, right? <laughs> and and like Heather said, the names we call things, you know, we we're we're not allowed to say, you know, I work in childcare. It's it it doesn't hold the clout. We we want to even even if we are working in childcare, we might say I work in, I work at the Little Einstein Academy or whatever, you know, because we want people to respect us as teachers. Mm-hmm. And I understand, like you know, we didn't go into this profession to. To support the economy, so I understand why people are like, "I'm not a babysitter," you know. Why should I go back? You know, I, that's not our purpose. We 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 delight in children. We care about development. We we believe in education, but there is this role that we play because of the age of the kids we're working with, where they are vulnerable mm-hmm. and they need us to be their care partners. So there is this role where we are caring for them all day long while their parents are not caring for them, their parents are at work. So it's such an intimate invitation that we have to embrace care as an honor. And even today I was thinking like, I'm a, you know, a director and um, I was in, in and out of the program today. And at one point I was, um, 
I was giving the teachers lunch breaks and I was sitting with a little girl. She came up to me and her, she's one of these little kids who is just like, you know, she's four, but she's like 34. (laughs) She doesn't need me at all. She gets her own lunch ready. She, you know, she has no, she's totally independent. Um, But her hair kept falling out of her barrette. And she kept coming over me to ask me to like help clip her hair back in. And as I was doing that, you know, we just kind of locked eyes. We had this moment of laughing. I was, I was commenting on how wild and beautiful her hair was and how I couldn't, and it kept getting out of that barrette. And I thought, well, there's this moment where this little girl didn't need me to care for her, but she kept coming back. And she kept like, oh, Carol, it came out again. You know, my barrette popped out again. And here I'm touching her head and touching her hair and fixing her barrette. And, th- and then I w- left that moment thinking, I don't think I've really cared for her this year because she's not someone I've been, I've been, um, you know, uh, helping open their lunchbox or helping pull up their pants or any of that stuff. But then she found this way to keep coming back to me. And we had this <laughs> intimate moment of eye contact and physical touch. And I, I don't know, I just, I just left the work thinking of that today, thinking about, um, this invitation that we have when we are partners mm-hmm. and companions with children around their physical needs and and what does the way we respond to their physical needs say to them about their worth you know does it does it elevate them or does it um, cause them to think that you know things of the body are are less important than things of the mind right. um, yeah. I would say it's, um, for me anyway, it's less of an invitation and more of an imperative. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about, you were talking earlier about Head Start, I'm sure you both know the, the history and the origins of Head Start. But you know, when that came around in 62, I think, mm-hmm. um, as it was being designed, the whole idea of what would give a young child who wasn't uh, having any experiences prior to their formal entry into kindergarten, what would give them that head start um, was um, support in their social emotional development. And then somewhere along the way in the 80s, no child or 90s, no child left behind came around. And suddenly it was, no, what would give them the head start is is their academic, um, you know, uh, support. Mm -hmm. And and that that to me was always a, a tragic misunderstanding of, of the um, original purpose and the science behind mm-hmm. right. what children, what human beings need in the first five years of life. And has continued. Like, you know, that we're talking about the 90s, that was a long time ago, but really not when we're thinking about how little some of that has changed um, in in the field. So we're, we're talking a lot about the value of care. Um, and And we started this by by saying we wanted to take away this idea of a dichotomy, it's either care or learning. So let's switch it a little bit and go to the learning side of things for people who are maybe listening along, maybe they agree, but they're not quite sure they could defend it to somebody else, or, or maybe they're just not quite sure where the learning happens then. So let's, let's switch and talk about the learning side of, of things then from this perspective. Well, yeah, well, for great. me, and I'm going to shut up, Carol, because I really want oh, to. Oh, please go. I'm just not good at letting other people talk. No, I'm happy. To <laughs> <laughs> um, so to me, the brilliance of Carol's book is that it's not one side and another side. It's that that education is within mm-hmm. the, the uh, I don't know the word. It's, with, it's under the umbrella. It's within the context of mm-hmm. care. 
care isn't next to it, it surrounds it and, and is the foundation for it. I always thought it was funny, like when I first started teaching and I, I had a, I had a long, and I think this helped me a lot. I had a history of working in childcare as I was getting my degree in education to become a real teacher, right? Yep. So I got, this, <laughs> I got these super good lessons from some amazing women in childcare. And then I went to be a real teacher in a therapeutic preschool. And I thought, I, it's really struck me odd, like this whole theme approach and, and okay, it's snack time. Snack time is learning time. So, so let's see. Okay. So we're going to do the, um, we're going to do the very hungry caterpillar and we're going to let the kids make um, caterpillars out of bananas or whatever, you know, we're going to integrate snack into this learning experience, into this literary ex mm -hmm. literacy experience. And I was like, well, that's really contrived because <laughs> Nap time is learning time right. and just getting your body over there to that chair and getting yourself pulled up and sitting and then like being able to pour your own water or milk and being able to spread a little peanut butter on your cracker or whatever's there. There's so many opportunities, right? Snack time. I mean, we need to use tools. We can peel carrots. We can chop bananas. We can set the table. It's all there. It's all there. Sequencing and, um, you know, organization and hand-eye coordination and conversations and literacy, you know, so that that's kind of, that's sort of an example how I think of, mm -hmm. of of, I think what Richard's trying to say, it's totally embedded. Mm -hmm. It's embedded in the experience. Yeah. It doesn't have to be contrived. We don't have to say, okay, you know, when children are getting dressed, they are learning something. So we are going to, um, I don't know, make a poster and sing a song that teaches them about winter and summer clothes. Or, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, that might be fine, but just learning to put your arm in your coat and then maybe have a conversation with the teacher about, oh, it's really fuzzy inside there, isn't it? Or <laughs> I can't find your fingers. Can you poke them through the other side? So there's this interaction. There's this relationship this happening when we're supporting kids in care, but they're sequencing and they're organizing and their um, body space awareness and, you know, they're helping one another, you know, you can't zip your coat. Well, maybe ask your, your, um, your, the person next to you to, to see if they can get that zipper yeah. um, going. So there's just, it's so natural and, um, um, and obvious, it's right in front of us. It's, it's sort of like when you walk, you know, you are marveling at children because of the way they make marks on a page and you see them making circles and making radials and making scribbles and you're just in awe of these two and three and four year olds, what they're doing with this marker in their hand. But then you walk into a classroom and you see, you know, googly eyes and pipe cleaner, you know, adult directed stuff on the wall. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're missing it here. We're missing yeah. it. The kids are, it's right in front of us. They're yeah. doing it. And that's sort of how I feel about care sometimes. It's like, it's right there and it offers us all the, all the learning and teaching. And, and if we can approach it with that kind of, with that lens and really kind of slow down and watch what's happening when children are dressing and watch what's happening when they're washing hands. Um, why are they asking for our help when they don't really, we know that they can do it themselves. What's going on emotionally? Um, when we can think about those rituals of care as such an invaluable opportunity to understand the kids before us, um, mm -hmm. I think it changes, it changes the way we teach. Yeah. And, and I think if we, um, you know, when we were talking about, um, 
programs and and stakeholders in our early childhood programs focusing on mostly cognition the the excuse is always or the reason the rationale will say is always um, because we want them to be good citizens we want them to to have the skills they need for happy lives and successful lives and um, but but when we really well that's what when we really break it down we're spending five years trying to get them ready for one year of kindergarten like when right. we say that we're talking about life but we're talking about that one year and the kinds of things you just described carol are the kinds of things we should be talking about that's the kind of learning that we should be talking about if we're really concerned about good citizens who are the future of our country and world and all that kind of stuff I mean, what, who's, who's better to go out there and, um, you know, set up for future generations, someone who's really great at colors and letters, um, or someone who has learned how to be in um, reciprocal, responsive, caring relationships with other people and to care about how other people feel and are doing. Um, I, but I, I just think our ego gets in, the adult ego comes in. And, um, you know, we want to be teachers, so we have to, we have to meet this idea of what a teacher looks like and caring is mm -hmm. just lady stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's another reason why it's been invisible, right? Because it's been the domain of women and, um, and, and it's been assumed, right? That there's always a mom or a grandma or someone home supporting <laughs> everyone. <laughs> and, and the work that we do in early childhood is, is primarily, been in the domain of women and, and I've learned so much also from trying to think about how we can make care attractive and and to all genders um, just watching my husband care for my children I learned a lot from that I and mean, he he would scold me for saying you know thanks for taking care of the kids he's like what's wrong with you these are my children do not thank me for taking care of them I'm like oh my god I I am really stuck in some old ways of thinking about things uh, yeah. um so, yeah, yeah, and, 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 and it, we do see, I mean, I see parents being true partners, men and women, men and men, you know, women and women being true partners of care. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe like 10, 15 years ago, dads would bring their kids to childcare, but now dads are actually giving baths and braiding hairs and changing diapers. I mean, that has been a huge shift. Mm -hmm. um, we still have a long ways to go <laughs> to invite men into early childhood in a way that they will stay mm -hmm. and i think that a lot of you know, a lot we examine the way we care and i think a lot of times women make it unattractive to men too because we have um expectations about sort of the way we were raised and care carries all these heavy burdens that come from our own childhood um and that's the other thing that, that's exciting to me about seeing care as a pedagogy is to really, how do we really know how to care? I mean, have we really studied the science about toilet learning, mealtime, um, how children develop their relationships with food, how, when they need to sleep, how much they need to sleep, how they regulate themselves for nap times. How do we learn that stuff? I, I certainly didn't learn that when I was getting my degree in education. <laughs> no. uh, right? No. I learned a little. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a little. Maybe a little if you've got a little... Yeah, there was no class on it. When you look no. at, go back to, for example, our community colleges, and you look at what our program, the, the courses that make up our programs, um, and that make someone qualified to earn that degree, mm -hmm. uh, care is maybe there tangentially, but it's not yeah. 
is rarely formally a focus. Yeah. Well, quite often in my own experience, I know this is true and what I've heard from a lot of other people is that um, early childhood programs in colleges are being absorbed into elementary ed programs because there's not enough people going to college for early childhood. And so people go in and they take elementary ed classes, which tend to focus on how to present information and how to sort of get compliance and, um, and, and not child development or this caring aspect. So they, they get this sort of reinforced by the college that they've been told to go to so they can prove they're real teachers um, and the, yeah. the information they get is elementary school. And then they're coming into essentially childcare programs where the caring and the, um, yeah. the relationships are going to be key. And so we, we don't, we don't do good by ourselves. We don't do it right by ourselves in that case sometimes. Well, and I'll just say for anyone out there listening, uh, for whatever it's worth, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I was, before I, was teaching community college. I've been a director, a child, a child development center director mm-hmm. twice across my career. And, um, you know, just FYI, when I'm hiring people and I'm looking at resumes that come in, when I see that their degree is in elementary education, that is a major red flag oh, for me. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're not going, it's, it's really likely that they're not going to approach their job from a place of care um, and the holistic needs of children, if that's what their degree is in. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll have them come in for the interview, but I'm on red alert and we'll have lots of questions around that because it, people will get that elementary ed degree and think, oh, I'm in good, I'm in good stead. Mm-hmm. And in some places anyway, it's not going to serve you well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, um, going, going back a little bit, um, the thing about this quote that that this um, that this session is is about um, again is about the to me it's about the internal life of the adult. It's not even about the child. And so thinking about you know Carol was listing all of these experiences that children have um, throughout the day, or the possibilities that snack time can be and the possibility that nap time can be, but they only remain in the land of possibility um, unless the teacher or the caregiver has the internal, the intrinsic motivation to, to see those opportunities and facilitate them into the real world. You know, otherwise you're just, you're just doing your custodial care Mm -hmm. for young children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So it really starts with the internal life of the teacher, uh, of the grown-up that um, allows that holds the space for young children's thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other point I was just gonna make is that Carol talked about um, how, how, when you were telling that anecdote, Carol, you were talking about how you felt in awe and you marveled. And I would just point out that awe and marvel are not gender specific. <laughs> no. right? but that's why we get into this field. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of us, right? Mm-hmm. Or that's why we stay in the field, maybe. Yeah. Some of us get into this field because we think we want to play teacher. Mm-hmm. Yes. But when we realize it's our calling, it's because we get in contact with that sense of awe and marvel, regardless of your gender. And, and that motivates you to be the kind of caregiver that you're speaking about. Yeah, it's so true. 
I, I think some of my, some of, when I think of my childhood, one of my best caregivers was my uncle Joe. (laughs) He really was. And he, and I think his, um, it was his presence. It was the way he could be totally there for me. So I think a lot about, like you said, this attitude, you know, it's like, we can talk about care as custodial. And I want to talk about those actions, those things we do with our hands and, and our gaze and our touch. I want to talk about those as being very important. But like you said, it's this internal life of our, our own internal life. How do we view that? So how can we, how are we present? How are we listening? How are we Again, it's that invisible stuff. It's the, the art of care. You know, how, what is our gaze? What is our pace? What is our movement? What is our, how does the child sense our, uh, that, that we're really there for them? Mm-hmm. That it's their body. That's the weird, it's a weird uh, relationship in some ways. It's their body learning to go to the bathroom, learning to put on your coat, deciding what you want to eat. It is theirs. They own it, mm-hmm. but they need us. They're vulnerable. They need us to create these, these, uh, places where they can discover who they are and it's through this partnership so um something about being very present with kids Mm -hmm. through care and we tend to rush right you know I know as a mom I just remember you know it's like rushing get the kids in the car get (laughs) you know you have so much to do but as early childhood educators we we really have a lot of autonomy to decide you know what is our our day what is that habitat going to be like what is our day going to be like what are we going to value yeah. and and uh, what are we going to tell kids when we have to rush through the bathroom and the cubby time to get to the circle time what message are we giving them about their needs and their mm-hmm. growing autonomy and their choices and and so you said it's an imperative and i thought that was really good too because what damage could be done <laughs> also you know what damage could be done you know there is maybe a hierarchy maybe care is more important than education <laughs> if we really have to place one oh, in the sure. hierarchy because yeah. what damage could be done by not caring right and is done and has been done for decades in our field yeah right. and not understand well, to children and adults in our field I mean, honestly, yeah. I think we do harm to children and adults in our field. I think yeah. we can do harm to ourselves by having that kind of a practice and that attitude that where we're rushing and this part's not important. And that part is when that part's the one that's maybe not going to work. But we know like the activities always frustrated us because they never go like we thought they would go. Um, but we've rushed through this time. Uh, well, we have a lot of well-intentioned people in our field. Yes. Right? They're lovely. Yes. Some of the loveliest human beings you'll ever know are in our field, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, and so I really appreciated, Carol, when you used the word art a moment ago, that it's an art. Because we, a lot, because of the patriarchal nature, right, our field lives within a greater society, and that mm-hmm. society is patriarchal by nature. And so therefore, we tend to view it as a science, and especially with the onset of um, data gathering mm-hmm. of the last 20 years. Um, but you know, people, and it's important to know that this is someone's job and as low paying as it is, this is, this is their money. That's going to help them pay their rent and they're scared to lose their job. And so sometimes they only think as far as the director said, the licensor is coming today. And I have to remember to do those eight steps of diaper changing (laughs) because that's, what's important. Mm-hmm. versus, well, maybe I forget a step, but the care is there. And there was a connection between me and this infant. 
um, that seems to get devalued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was so exciting to me when I was really um, diving into wanting to know more about care. It's just discovering, I, I mean, I, I was, I was calling it a pedagogy, you know, care as a pedagogy, and I'd Google care as a pedagogy, and I couldn't find anything, but I found all these, like, articles for high school and college, people who were teaching high school and college, what does it mean to care, what does it mean to care for your student, Mm -hmm. you know, but there was nothing for us for early childhood or elementary, and even, like, a lot of the care theorists um, are, are, are describing, you know, early childhood as the original care, the nucleus of care, um, but they, but they're talking about care in the context of uh, sort of progressive education. Like, what would our schools look like if we cared, mm-hmm. and what would our schools look like if they were more a model of domesticity instead of a model of prison institutions or whatever they want to call. You know, so what would our schools look like if they had we had pets and we had meals together and we had um, more choices of, about you know the way we spend our days. So this was sort of the care model that um, some of them were talking about. But it really was super exciting to me to think that people have been analyzing care and talking about sort of learning from this care ethic and life from this care ethic. You know, how do we make decisions from a sort of a feminist perspective in terms of what has traditionally been in the realm of women, the way we, the way we make decisions in relationships, the way we recognize our dependency, the way we nurture others. Um, so this, this care ethic was very exciting. It's very exciting to, um, to have all this research and sort of this canon of literature about, you know, what it means to care and then to try to think you know, kind of compare it with what we have with all our responsive care people like Magda Gerber and Ron Lally and all the people who have, who have talked about this, the importance of care. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it, it just, it was kind of fascinating to me that, that like Heather said at the beginning, within our own field, we, we have subligated it, we've suppressed it, we've mm-hmm. hidden it. Um, so it's exciting to be able to hold it up. Yeah, we're starting to talk about it and bring it back in and validate care for birth to three. (laughs) And we'll talk about primary care and all that kind of stuff, but then they turn three and suddenly they don't need it anymore. And it's time for cognition. (laughs) So I'll talk about, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, No, that's so true. When when they turn three, they better not pee their pants, right? And they better be holding a pencil and sitting at a table, you know, it's like, what? They need care. They cry when mom leaves. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I teach people about you know home the importance of creating home-like environments. We'll talk about bring a love seat into your classroom, have a lamp. But you know what I've what I've never said is, uh, you know the the depth. How do I want to say this? What defines home is. A, a place where you feel cared for. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it, what's really home-like, more than a couch or a lamp, is that you feel I'm in a place where someone cares about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's that's so true. <laughs> and I that's think that might like- be a good time, good note to wrap it up on. I haven't been paying attention to time, but uh, I no, sort of got lost in the conversation. Point. What? 
Let Carol have the worst word. Last the word. worst word? <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. yeah, Carol can have the last yeah. word. Oh, sure. I, I, I think that's, that's perfect, Richard. I, I thought about that a lot, too, when I once had a parent pull her little girl out of our school. And I had a great relationship with this parent. And she said, you know, we had such a good year with you guys. And, and now that she's turning three, I need to find her a real school. Yeah. I need to get her ready for kindergarten. And she pulled her out of the school. And I thought long and hard about that. Like the fact that I'm working so hard to make my whole school home-like and to have pillows and to have low windows, to have plants. And I tell, you know, I tell the parents, we don't hover over kids. We sit on the floor, you know, we, we hold kids, you know, everything we had done to make our school caring and comfortable. I, I thought, wow, is that why she pulled her out? You know, I worked so hard to, 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 mm -hmm. to show this pedagogy of care and, um, and it got me thinking about how we 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 just we just hidden it and we 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 placed it below education and how confusing that is for families and parents too. And as that parent actually ended up bringing her kid back to my school and said, you know, she missed you guys so much. And and and, and so we ended up having a great conversation about about what early education is and and why we care. But but I think that maybe the answer is more imagery of teachers helping children wash their hands, teachers helping kids zip up their coats, uh, sitting with children on their knees. Mm -hmm. These images need to be the images that we uphold as educational models yeah. um, rather than the teacher pointing to the calendar or, you know, those, those, those things might be a part of your day. Um, but I think you know, caring for children in our communities is is the highest value, and mm -hmm. and and recognizing that elevates our profession to such mm -hmm. such a degree. We don't we we want to find a way to celebrate it, to show it as educational, to help parents value it too, mm -hmm. and to say to parents. You have every day you are having meals with your kids, you're, you're giving them baths, you know, those things that you do with them over and over again, they may not feel like these wonderful quality experiences, but those are the ways that your child knows that you love them, <laughs> that you're right. there for them. It's right. through that caring relationship. It, don't devalue that in, in your home life either. Yeah. So. Yeah, they've been sold one thing. We need to sell them something else now. Yeah. We need to sell them this other idea. Yeah, can we help them relax? You know, forget about this this quality time. You know, what is yeah. quality time? You have to take your kids to a puppet show or sign them up for ballet. You know, what well, that might be nice, but but really, quality time is that you're with them at dinner time every yeah. single night, night after night after night after night. And it's not always beautiful. It's not always perfect. It's not always lovely. It's not Martha Stewart. Care is not <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it is, it is a relationship. Yeah. It is the, the, the well. deepest true. And we, we, we've talked about relationships so much in early education, but peeling back. How yeah. do you form a relationship with a kid? It is, you do come back to that care over and over again. For sure. Yeah, we talk about it a lot. I don't know that our practices always match up with what we're talking about yeah. with relationships. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Richard, for being here. Carol, for all of your work with this book <laughs> and also for being here. Um, and thank you for doing this, Heather. You've oh. done so much for the profession. I mean, these talks... 
It's exciting. Seriously, I mean, you've put so much out there for the early childhood world to be valued and cared for. You're caring for all the caregivers by doing this. It's, it's huge. Yep. It's huge. It's changing. I'm, I really think it's changing uh, the way people see educators, early childhood educators. Yep. That's very and kind. And listeners, if you very uncomfortable. this podcast session, um, uh, Heather's going to do at least one more yep. with Carol. Yep. Uh, so yeah. tune in again because yeah. there's more to talk about. Yep, yep. Yes, there's so much to talk about. I know. I, even just the one topic that we're talking, or the one focus we're talking about for the next recording, I think is actually going to be two more recordings. So, yeah, so we could do a whole. We could do a whole thing on, on sort of a, a, like like Richard said that internal life of the caregiver and evaluating yeah. care from the perspective of how do you care for yourself? How do you seek care? How do you treat care? Yeah. How do you care for yourself? Not this old fashioned notion that caring for yourself means getting a massage or whatever. That's fine if you have to get a massage, but how do you do it while you're working? Yes. How, do you, how, do you, how do you engage in reciprocal care so that you experience the joy yeah. of caring while you're give, in that giving receiving relationship? Right. That's, that's well, one. it sounds like we've got self-care and some routine stuff to talk about in future episodes. So that's gonna be great and I'm excited, um, but I am gonna stop recording now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so thank you again both for being here. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, come back next week for another episode. Bye. Thank bye, you. Bye-bye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.